Welcome to 30 Minutes from 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Schager. Our guest today is attorney Margo Cowan. She's an attorney with Keep Tucson Together. Welcome, Margo. Thank you, Amanda. It's a pleasure to be here. You've had a long career in being an attorney for the people, for the struggle. You've been focusing your efforts on Keep Tucson Together. Tell us more about that. Well, Keep Tucson Together is a clinic that we organized about a year into uh, President Obama's second term. And that was when uh, President Obama began to announce administrative closure of cases of people in removal. And um, shortly thereafter, he created, of course, DACA for young people who had come uh, at an early age and didn't have any status. And so these were um, really not just progressive, quite revolutionary administrative actions that um, he chose to take, but they were not the kind of thing that people who were not well-versed in um, legal requirements and that kind of thing could do do on their own. And so we set up a community clinic. And uh, what we did during that period is... uh, we, we offered to the community to do two things. One, to prepare um, packages to submit to the court asking that their removal proceeding be closed because they had uh, lived in Tucson for a long time. They were uh, good folks. Most of them had paid taxes. Some of them had US citizen children, some did not but they were uh, people that should not be in removal proceedings in the first place. You know, that was because it came came a time in the Obama administration when it was clear in the second term that he was unable to uh, be able to pass any kind of immigration reform. And so then he went to alternatives, executive alternatives that he could do through executive order. And, And the two most prominent, of course, were what was known as administrative closure, which is what we help people prepare packages to do, and applying for deferred action for childhood arrivals, the DACA program for young people. So in both of those situations, I entered notices of appearance for everyone that we filed applications to close their case for. We actually made appearances in immigration court and argued and litigated those applications. It was at that point that we began to organize in the community and have volunteers come forward and help prepare the DACA applications and help families prepare these applications for administrative closure. And we began to build a volunteer base of people who, for a multitude of reasons, either because they knew somebody that was undocumented, um, they were their neighbor, they worked together, they were friends, their kids went to the same school, same church, a lot of... um, a lot of community links. People came out from all walks of life to volunteer and help do this. And I think the sort of the seminal public announcement and presence of Keep Tucson Together was on the day of the Virgen de Guadalupe in 2011. And I remember that day very well because we were, um, we gathered at Santa Monica Catholic Church on the South Side and we were about a hundred people. Everyone had in, in their hand applications for administrative closure of their removal proceedings. 
And we walked from uh, Santa Monica to the ICE office. And I remember it because it was raining. And um, undocumented people had never done any kind of community action in front of the ICE office before. And we, we walked up to the door and presented um, 98 applications for administrative closure. And it, it took a little while, but all those cases were closed. And that generated what we wanted it to generate in community was a buzz so that if people were in removal and didn't have a lawyer and wanted to have some help to try and put together a package to ask the court to close their case, that's what KTT was created to do. So we began to have clinic hours in Southside Presbyterian Church, of course, the, the birthplace of the sanctuary movement. And we would meet every Saturday afternoon and prepare these packages. And before uh, President Obama finished his second term, we had closed hundreds of uh, removal proceedings. And, and people were able to get work permits and just go on about their lives and not worry about being deported. At the same time, we were processing DACA applications as fast as young people came in. And we ended up today, for example, we, we still process uh, DACA applications, and we now have processed successfully in excess of 3,000 applications. And those are, you know, I don't want to criticize my colleagues, but you know, if, if young people go to, to lawyers and hire a lawyer to do that for them, you know, that's, there's, that's, an expensive, that's an expensive thing to do. And a lot of young people are not in a position to pay those fees. And so they either take a stab at it themselves and often, often make mistakes in the preparation and that kind of thing, or they just say, well, you know, I wish I could, but I can't. And so we're very proud of that. That's a that's an effort that all sorts of folks have worked on. Uh, uh, Lupe Castillo, uh, Raimundo Montes were, were really the first that that started, and um, you know that that's made all the difference in the world for so for hundreds of young people. I ran into this fellow. Um, I was at juvenile court on some other matter, and and he said, "Margo, Margo," and I, I turned around, and it was a. I don't remember if he was a deputy sheriff or he was a police officer, but he was in uniform. And he said, I know you didn't don't know me, but you signed my application because I sign all of them and enter a notice of appearance as their lawyer, just in case uh, the government needs extra uh, information or documentation or something like that, that, you know, the letter doesn't go only to the applicant, but it comes to our office and we take a look at it and we're able to help you know, uh, submit whatever's necessary. So I, hi, how are you? He said, well, I was one of your your DACA folks and um, I I was able to start working and I, I married my high school sweetheart and she immigrated me. So I became a lawful permanent resident and I was sworn in as a naturalized citizen last week. And so, you know, that groundwork of just providing a little bridge to people to get them on a path um, to flourish, which they do, is, is just so important. And it's important that it be done in community, in the spirit of community, respecting community, 
and it be done without charge. You're listening to 30 Minutes from 91.3 KXCI Tucson. Our guest today is attorney Marco Cowan from Keep Tucson Together. That was really the beginning of the, the Keep Tucson Together clinic. And then, uh, of course, during the this last era, it's been quite different. We continue to enter notices of appearance for anybody who's... Um, we prioritize Pima County residents because that's that's really we don't have we don't have unlimited resources we don't have unlimited volunteer lawyers but we have a lot and so we we currently I think have 830 some clients that we represent who are in removal proceedings um, this last year we were able to bond out 124 people out of immigration custody. We've raised, gosh, about $300,000 in a bond fund that we make available to the communities to do that so that people don't you know, have to um, lose everything they've got borrowing money. Uh, so we've been very aggressive. You know, It's like day and night from the Obama years, we were able to do um, really sort of benevolent humanitarian work that had really great outcomes. And during these last four years, it's been bare knuckle fighting, but we can do that too. And we're pretty good at it. And, uh, you know, we, we don't stop. We'll do anything in the world to jam up the process, to keep families together. And we have been very successful at doing that. And uh, so that's KTT has morphed into that. And of course, with uh, the election of the current administration, and folks being very hopeful about the future, our DACA numbers have surged again. People who uh, maybe were eligible but didn't apply for whatever reason, uh, now with the, the discussions that perhaps DACA beneficiaries will move directly to citizenship and skip being lawful permanent residents, you know, people who qualify and for whatever reason um, didn't apply before. Are coming coming around, so we're we're surging on DACA applications, and we have a really robust uh, group of volunteer lawyers and other volunteers that support the lawyers and prepare all the applications and that kind of thing. And we, you know, every day we probably have three or four families that we represent in Tucson Immigration Court or Eloy or La Palma or Florence. And we're very proud of that work because every day we um, are standing with a family to keep that family together. Now, we also have a very interesting component at Keep Tucson Together, and that's that we have a naturalization team. And uh, there was a time when we could meet at Pueblo High School before the pandemic, and we met every Thursday night. And, you know, some hundreds of people would come. Sometimes, you know, the cafeteria is very big, and sometimes we have four or 500 people standing room only in the cafeteria. People that came to volunteer, people that came to ask questions, and, and all of our various working groups that were preparing applications. But we're very proud of the, the natural, naturalization folks. They've completed, uh, I think maybe DACA is a little bit ahead of them in terms of numbers of of approved DACAs, but they're right behind them. They've they've have more than three thousand new citizens that have been um, 
assisted through the clinic that were successful in becoming naturalized American citizens and voters. And they're very, very excited about that work, very proud of that work. So that's the clinic and it it is responsive to the needs of the community. So in the Obama years when we were, it was a very benevolent kind of situation. Um, we responded in, in, in that, um, in, in a way that was appropriate. And in this last administration, when it was um, an attack on community based on race hate, we took off the gloves and got in the ring and responded in that way. Very proud of that response by our lawyers. And, and now we're entering a new phase. President Biden has issued several executive orders that uh, sort of put out there, these are like advance notices of, of the kind of legislative and policy changes that this administration will promote. For example, he uh, issued an executive order that would stop deportations for 100 days. And during that period, um, the instruction was to review everybody who's in removal, much in the same context as, as the administrative closure of the Obama administration is. Do we want, really wanna have this family in removal? You know, are they a mixed family? Do they have U.S. citizen kids or is a lawful permanent resident wife? Have they been here for a long time? Have they always paid taxes? Is this really who we want to tear apart from our community? Probably not. Now, that order, that executive order was enjoined by a Texas um, federal court, but but it will be, uh, there'll be a hearing on it in now less than 14 days. I think maybe we're nine or 10 days away from that. and. You know, I, I'm very confident that the um, the restraining order will be lifted because the president is the, is the boss of the executive branch of government. And if he wants to say, look, our, we have limited resources in our courts, we have limited resources in our enforcement bodies, ICE, Border Patrol, whoever they are, we have limited resources uh, about where to detain people, we ought to set some priorities. Do we really wanna put somebody in detention who's been here for 15 or 16 years and has US citizen kids and a citizen wife or husband or lawful permanent resident spouse? Do we really wanna put our efforts into that person? Do we really wanna use court time to, to remove that person? And then do we wanna pay the price when you have deported dad and who's gonna support the family? You know, Do you really, really wanna do that? Those are executive branch decisions because there's there are never an, enough funds appropriated to, for example, gather every single person up in the whole United States who either has absolutely no status or is a hair outside of status. It's impossible. So, you know, I'm confident that 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 order um, will be uh, withdrawn. You're listening to 30 Minutes from 91.3 KXCI Tucson. Our guest today is attorney Marco Cowan from Keep Tucson Together. But but what what's interesting for us, and of course it's very, it's very um it's exciting, but it's also horrific that it has to be exciting. And that is that um First Lady Dr. Biden will chair a working group solely dedicated to reuniting the children with those families that that still are separated. 
And the figure that I've heard tossed around is between six or 700. I, I think that's grossly, grossly, grossly an undercount. I think we're probably talking about 4,500 to 5,000 kids that are separated. And, and that is really important work. And think of it, usually first ladies, they have sort of, you know, goody goody kind of community projects. This is the real deal. This is acknowledging a crime against humanity that the prior president committed. And this is saying, as the first lady, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to put together all of the resources in a domestic sense, an international sense, to try and put these families back together. And it's a priority and it's my number one priority. That's incredible. And so that's what we're beginning to see. Of course, we heard several descriptions about the uh, immigration bill uh, that he has is, is it hasn't been introduced yet. But I think it would probably be introduced maybe seven to 10, 10 days would be my guess. And that is, um, you know, it's really important to understand that our the construct of our immigration law was created in 1924. And except for some little teeny tinkering, it hasn't changed. And so the ideas that we've heard um, both through the executive orders and also just through discussion, but the, to the time that he's been in office, you know, the ideas that we've heard both uh, from the president and, and, and others speaking for the administration are really exciting. And they, they don't just include legalizing everyone who's here, but they also include bringing back family members who should not have been deported in the first place. They talk about uh, jumping the status of being a lawful permanent resident for DACA beneficiaries. And, and that's nothing new. We've seen that at various times in, in the history of, of immigration law in our country. But it's a recognition that um, it's a detail that these young people are not US citizens. It shouldn't be something that they should have to go some, through some ruling process to acquire and to recognize the, the contributions that they make and all have made in tremendous ways to the fabric of our of our community. And, and those are, um, you know, some people describe those as bold ideas. They're not bold, they reflect reality. You know, um, a couple of scholars from the university, Jeff Boyce and uh, Sarah Lanius, did a study um, in the fall of 2019 of uh, a, a group of our of KTT uh, clinic um, folks who were in removal proceedings. And they found that the average length of residency in Pima County of that group, and it was several hundred people of that group who were in removal proceedings was 16 and a half years. I think 93% of them had regularly paid federal income tax, state and federal income tax. So these are people that are um, part of us. You know, these these are not um, folks that somehow uh, arrived yesterday and, and came come to get on welfare. And that's the picture that, you know, the opposition wants to paint. And the reason that it looks like that is because it's been so long since there's been any kind of reform. The last reform was the um, amnesty of 86. 
only 3 million people benefited from that amnesty. And that's um, certainly not reflective of who's in community today. So, so I think we're in a very exciting moment. I think um, a lot of very exciting ideas. And, and you know, there's commentary, well, the Republicans will block this, they'll never let it get through and that kind of thing. But business understands why people need to be regularized. And, and I believe that business will step up and will communicate with, you know, folks that they regularly communicate with on the other side of the aisle and explain to them how important it is to have a stable workforce and a, a, a workforce that's not always worrying about somebody um, coming to get them on the way home from work or something like that. So I think that's really, it's an exciting moment. I think uh, President, President Biden learned that, you know, this was an issue in the Obama administration that they saved for the second term, because if we remember the economy was in, in grave straits and there really wasn't anything, uh, any other choice except to deal with that. And, and of course, then was the issue of, of medical care for all was sort of the second issue in line. And so immigration reform got bounced to the second term and then it didn't happen. And, and President Obama was, was uh, left in a position to only act through executive orders, which very good orders and benefited a lot of people. But we need to fix this. It needs to be fixed. These people are contributing to our, our communities and to our country on every level, uh, culturally, economically, uh, and they uh, they absolutely need to to uh, be rewarded for their contributions to the fabric of our society. So this is something that has to get fixed. You're listening to 30 Minutes from 91.3 KXCI Tucson. Our guest today is attorney Marco Cowan from Keep Tucson Together. There's a companion piece of that that I want to share with you. We initiated at the end of 2019 uh, an initiative, a ballot initiative that we call Justice for All. And Justice for All here in Pima County is an initiative to put on the ballot the proposition there would be created a Pima County Office of uh, Non-Citizen Defense. Well, what's that mean? What it means is for Pima County residents who are indigent, who are poor, and they're put in removal proceedings, they would have a right to a public defender, essentially, to represent them in deportation proceedings. And we think this is really, really important. Last fiscal year, there were about 24,000 families in Pima County put in removal proceedings. Only 4,000 of them had lawyers. And the rest of them went alone. They went and faced a deportation proceeding alone. Now, the immigration judge is a lawyer. Obviously, the ICE prosecutor is a lawyer. Folks go in and know nothing about the law, and it's also a very, very complex um, um, area of law to begin with. And, and what happens? All but 3% of those folks that went alone were deported. What's that do to our community? Well. It tears families apart. Obviously, it creates great pain to those families, but it also upsets everything else. Whoever is left behind 
you know, that likely the family has, has lost a breadwinner. Perhaps there was a mom uh, that worked part-time, but also was the one that took care of kids. Mom can't work part-time anymore because she has to take care of kids or she has to leave kids and work full-time to support just to pay pay the rent and, and buy the food. It is an unnecessary, shameful act done in our name that tears our community apart. It's not just that it tears families apart. It tears Pima County apart because employers lose good employees. You know, kids in school, U.S. citizen kids of parents that don't have documents begin to fail because they're fa because of this, this pain that's like, you know, sliced into their heart. And so there is a movement around the country, but I think it's very important to institutionalize the right to counsel in Pima County so that it doesn't depend on who's on the board of supervisors this term and will they continue to fund this office? It, it doesn't depend on that. It's, it's an institutional right to counsel. And, and I think it's very important. So we, we're about to kick that campaign off again. We, we had to shut it down last March, obviously because of, of uh, the pandemic and, and we, we want to be very responsible in that regard. But we're up again. And we need uh, thousands of signatures. We want to be on the ballot in November 2022. And, you know, we're looking for people who want to stand for justice with us. We need people to collect signatures. Um, we have all sorts of ways that you can do that and be safe. Uh, so we're very excited about that. Um, we're very excited. We have a lot of endorsers. Linda Ronstadt has endorsed us, um, the mayor. Adelita, Grijalva, uh, Crystal Foster, um, other members of the, the city council, all sorts of folks. Our Congresswoman Kirkpatrick. We're really excited about it. We know that it'll be an uphill battle, but we also know that in Pima County, we, most people in Pima County don't hate their neighbor. Most people in, in Pima County that, that know people out of status through their church or where they work or their next door neighbors or in whatever context it is, um, status is not an issue. Other things are issues. Character, what kind of person we all are. So we're confident if we get on the ballot that Pima County will step up. And we would be the first county in the United States to have done this as an initiative. There, there are several counties around the country that have done it um, through their um, governing board action. And I think that's great, but I don't think that that's permanent. And, and I don't really see any um, difference myself. I'm a Pima County public defender. I see no difference between someone who is charged with a criminal offense and someone who is facing having their family torn apart. Indeed, in, in many respects, facing having your family torn apart is much more serious than facing a low-level uh, criminal charge. So that's an important campaign. I hope people will, um, will come out and help us and support it. And we have plenty of room always. We need, we need all the help that we can get both in the clinic, the Keep Tucson Together clinic, and in the campaign. And, uh, you know, we have a job for, for anybody. 
there's a job for anybody. People say, well, what can I do? Well, I can give you 25 jobs that we need done and you tell me what you can do. So we have a job for you that will fit your uh, whatever it is that you would like to contribute. If somebody says, well, I don't have very much time, maybe an hour or two a week, that's great. That's an hour or two a week we can use. And sometimes people say, you know, I really want to help and I really believe in this work. And um, I can't do it forever, but, you know, I'll do it for five or six months. Every single, we're like the drop in the bucket that continues to fill up. And we're going to reach the top, but we need everybody everybody to stand together in our in our community. What a wonderful overview you've just provided, Margo Cowan. Uh, Margo Cowan is an attorney with Keep Tucson Together. You can find out more about them on their Facebook page and at keeptucsontogether.org. I can give you our office number. It's 623-4084, and that is Keep Tucson Together. And if you would like to volunteer in the campaign, just tell KTT that's what you want to do, and they'll get us the information. And we say, adelante, let's go forward. We'll have to leave it there. Our guest today has been Margot Cowan from Keep Tucson Together. You can find more about their work on their Facebook page and also at keeptucsontogether.org. You can find this and all recent episodes of 30 Minutes on the 30 Minutes program page. Thank you for listening. I'm Amanda Schager.